Check Me Out is made possible in part by a grant from Humanities Texas, the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. It was so good. I've never even watched one of those shows <laughs> until now. Um uh, because as soon as I read that, I was like, I want to see one of these shows. And now I'm hooked and it's so trashy. But, you know, you do whatever you have to do in a pandemic. So you are publicly admitting uh, to watching The Bachelor, but you don't want to tell us what your rereads are? You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart, and in this episode, we are talking about reading during 2020. We're calling this the No Good, Very Bad Year. We have two guests with us, along with Hillary Holsey, and we're going to be talking about how your reading has changed during a pandemic. So I'm going to let uh, my guests introduce themselves. We're going to start with Marley. Hi, I'm Marley Hoggett. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a big reader, uh, always have been. Um, I work at Pantex in the security field. Um, You know, this doesn't really play into my job a whole lot. It's just kind of what I do outside. And it kind of always has been. My mom was a big reader, so was my dad. So I guess it's always kind of been a family thing. Trips to the library, trips to Hastings to get new books. You know, it's just always been a part of my life. And Stacy, I'm Stacy Clopton, and I work for the Amarillo Public Library. Like Marley, I've been a reader for a good long time. Um, <laughs> we won't talk about how long. <laughs> and talking about books uh, with with other readers is one of my favorite things to do. So I do want to bring up. I'm going to let Hillary talk about this, but Marley actually met Hillary because Marley was listening to our podcast. So Marley's kind of our first guest we've had on uh, that was just like a listener of the podcast. So I already knew Amy because we've been friends for a long time and you posted about the podcast. It was your book club episode. Yep. And so I started listening and then I started following Hillary and then we became friends. Yeah, I think Marley and I, I think you wanted to be my friend because we both don't like Ronald Weasley, right? Oh, yes. Yes, because he's the worst. You don't like Ron Weasley? No. No, he's so toxic. Oh, see, I'm with Stacey. I'm okay with Ron. No, toxic masculinity at its finest. So Marley added me on Facebook, and then there's a whole other long story that goes with it. But um, (laughs) I, I, I don't think I know. Well, you might be one of three really voracious readers that I've met, and... Uh, through the podcast. So we're really excited to have you on to talk about, uh, well, what what it's been like to read during the pandemic. So. Yeah. So so let's start out with <laughs> what was it like for you during the pandemic as far as your work schedule, um, your family schedule? You know, how did the p- pandemic change your life outside of just reading? So Marley, let's start with you. Um. Well, I have pretty severe rheumatoid arthritis and anglosine spondylitis, and I'm on a whole bunch of different drugs for those. So I'm categorized as high risk, and I got sent home to become a work-from-home person in March. For the, With the exception of about a month, I've been at home since March. So 
And I, I'm not married, no kids, live at home alone. So me and three cats, I've had a lot of time to read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Stacy, what about you? And how did it affect the library? Well, it's it's a little funny. In a way, I'm the opposite of Marley because uh, I never worked from home. Um, I've continued working at the library throughout the entire pandemic. What we have done at the library has sort of ebbed and flowed just as the the pandemic has. We were closed to the public for a little while, but offering curbside service. Then we were entirely closed. But those of us who work at the library are still going to the library every day and doing our work there. I've felt very fortunate that I've gotten to do that. Yeah. Um, And that you were still able to offer curbside. I think that is such a cool feature um, that you guys were able to do. So I applaud y'all for doing that. So my next question is the follow-up to that. How has this all affected what you're reading, how much you're reading? So let's start with how much have you read this year, more or less than a normal year? And I want to know how many up to today that you have read this year. So Marley, let's start with you. Um. Well, I track how much I've read through Goodreads. So um, I hit 100 books on Sunday. Congrats. So thanks. So usually I'm at, you know, 80-something or 90-something books by the end of the year. So I guess I'm reading more. But what I'm reading is definitely a little different. I'm rereading a lot more, like, my comfort reads and a lot more, like, fluffy escapist <laughs> stuff. Like I want to be happy and I want to laugh and I want to read about like things that aren't as serious. Okay. We're going to come like, back to that because I want to talk actual specific titles. Um, but yeah, oh, so let's talk to Stacy first and get her number. And then we're going to talk about those different kinds of genres. So Stacy, what are you at so far this year? I'm embarrassed to say I do not have a count. I know it's nowhere near a hundred, so don't be embarrassed. Um, Marley has me beat there, but I have not. Um, I have not kept account. I have probably read three or four books a month over the course of this year. So we're in. We've just finished eleven months, so I'm probably around forty-four ish. That's great, though. Still, so is that more or less you think than what you normally do? It's probably about. It's probably about the same. But your schedule has stayed kind of the same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My schedule has stayed about the same. And and, and I've always done a fair amount of reading for work as well as, as for pleasure. So that has continued as well. So Hillary and I were talking before um, we got on here to record. And I think both of us have read significantly less this year than we normally do. Even though I've worked from home primarily, she's worked from home, I would say primarily, but you still go in um, more than I do. But because our schedules are so different than they've ever been, I just I just haven't had it in me to read the same amount. I think my reading amount is probably the same as. You know, go find the Blobfish's account on uh, Goodreads, and uh, it'd be pretty similar. I, I've not read a lot. I don't. I think I'm just too sad. I I I usually read like Marley for like escapist reasons when I'm in this mode, but 
I don't know. It's it's been a strange year. So uh, maybe some of the titles that you guys share uh, will inspire me to to get back into reading. Yeah. So let's let's talk the happier side of things. What are those happy books that you reach for? Stacy, I'm actually going to start with you this time. Well, some of the books that, and this is going to be funny because I haven't read them this year, but some of the books that I read when I really just want some sort of comfort, um, I love to reread Jane Austen because she's just funny and witty and the manners are make everything seem so ordered that I find I find reading her very comforting. And do you think it's because, I mean, is it because you want to reread some things because there's comfort in already knowing where that story is going to go? I think there is something in that. And and I I have reread many things um, that this is going to sound really morbid, but the older I get, the less I reread things. I'm starting to have this sense that I have a limited amount of reading time left. <laughs> and so I think things like, sure, I might want to reread the entire um, Harry Potter series, but how many books will I not read because I was rereading Harry Potter? Yeah, um, I understand that. So that's that's just a weird, morbid thing that I think. But I do think that sometimes you go back to an author if you if you haven't read everything by a favorite author, then it's nice to go to an author where you sort of have a sense what you might expect. Mm-hmm. Does formulaic kind of play into this? Um, maybe a little bit. It's not just formula, though. It's it's language. You know, if you've gotten comfortable with the way a certain writer creates their sentences, then settling down with that book is just comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's like settling in, you know, with your your favorite slippers and your favorite blanket. And I read I had started a couple of years ago reading some of the Louise Penny mysteries and I've read a couple of those this year because they were new to me but they felt comfortable to go to. So, Marley, give us some titles. What have you loved um reading that's more of a fun-spirited, you know, um warm read during all of this? Do you want my rereads or my anything new you want to give us? I want to hear like the best stuff, I guess, that you've read. Okay, I'm going to give you my top three new books of the year because Stacy's rereads are a whole lot classier than mine. <laughs> and I don't know that I want to publicly admit to them. <laughs> okay, so my number three uh, of my top three books, new books for this year so far. Number three is called One to Watch, and it's by Kate Stamen London. And it's in several categories of Goodreads um, voting for best books of the year. It's fantastic. Like, going into it, reading the synopsis, I was like, I don't want to read this. I've never watched these shows. Because what it's about is this woman who's a plus-size fashion blogger. And on her blog one night, she and her friends are watching the this fictional version of The Bachelor and drinking wine. And on her blog, she writes this scathing critique of it. And it goes viral. And, you know, some people like criticize her for it and she gets all this bad press, but some people like laud her as this feminist icon. And over the next year, the showrunner of this fictional bachelor-esque show 
gets fired and they hire this new feminist showrunner who taps her, this plus size fashion blogger, to be the new bachelorette. Ooh, that sounds so fun. And they don't, <laughs> by the way, they don't announce yeah. who it's going to be until the show starts. Like even the men who are these stereotypical bachelor men who are going to be competing for her heart don't know who they're competing for until the show starts. I love it. Fun. That sounds fun. It was so good. I've never even watched one of those shows <laughs> until now because as soon as I read that, I was like, I want to see one of these shows. And now I'm hooked and it's so trashy. But, you know, you do whatever you have to do in a pandemic. So you are publicly admitting uh, to watching The Bachelor, but you don't want to tell us what your rereads are? <laughs> Please do. Well, when Stacy says she rereads Jane Austen and I've reread all of the Sookie Stackhouse books, like, come on. Oh, I love those books. Those are so fun. Reading is reading and yeah. everybody should read what makes them mm-hmm. happy and makes them feel comfortable. And I've read a couple of the Suki Stackhouse books. Absolutely. There is nothing wrong with hot vampires. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of, my number two favorite new book of the year um, is from one of my favorite authors, Sarah J. Moss, who wrote uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses, The Throne of Glass books, but she has a new series, and it's more of the urban fantasy style, and it's called A House of Earth and Blood, and it was so good. Mm. Oh, my God. And it sounds, like, completely (laughs) cheesy when you think about it. It's this this. Oh, I don't even know what she is. She's like some kind of supernatural being, and her name is Bryce Quinlan. And she's like this beautiful woman, like who's also like carries this deep, tormented secret. And her closest friend's been murdered, and she has to team up with this notorious fallen <laughs> angel, and his name is Hunt Athelar. <laughs> okay, it sounds so cheesy, but I swear. All I did for a full weekend was sit on the couch and Aww. read this book. Like, That's awesome. I couldn't put it down. I put my phone on silent <laughs> and ignored everything and everybody and read this book. It was amazing. And then finally, the best book I've read this year, and I have posted about it on all my social media. I've told everyone about it, and I've even bought it as Christmas presents for a few people <laughs> The House in the Cerulean Sea. And I'm looking for the author right now. Sorry, I'm scrolling through my Goodreads trying to find <laughs> Is this the, the one that you said so might right. be better than Harry Potter? <laughs> okay, so there aren't as many books. It's just the one. But honestly, Hillary, yeah. it is so beautifully written. Okay, it's by T.J. Clune, K-L-U-N-E. It's about this little man named Linus, and he works at what's basically like a like a child protective services in England, but it's child magical children's protective services. And he inspects orphanages for magical children and just makes sure that they're up to code. And he is sent to this orphanage on an island that hasn't been inspected in years, where these six especially dangerous children live with this caretaker. And it is the most beautiful book that I've read in years. Linus, the the little inspector, he's an orphan. He has no friends except his little cat. He is completely solitary and lonely and closed in. 
he's just expecting this to be a regular job and what he finds changes his life. I cried happy tears through the last third of the book. It's, It's beautiful, beautiful lyrical writing. You know, I think it's friendly for somebody 12 and up. I will say, you know, it's, you know, the themes of tolerance and acceptance and loving yourself and loving others. I hate to say this, there there are people who aren't going to like it because it says we love you no matter what your sexuality, no matter what your gender, because there are themes that you can take from this that are, because Linus is a gay man. Okay. And you can, they're making allegories of magical children and you look at, at real life that we're living of children being outcasts because of other things. So you can look at it as an allegory. So while I think the message is beautiful, I saw some comments in the Amazon. Never read the comments, Marley. <laughs> I know, I know. We're just talking about that. There were some, have you heard of this book, Stacy? There were some... You know, I think I have seen it um, just on some lists, but I, I'm not that familiar with it. I've just added it to my to-be-read list because it sounds like a lovely it is, book that I would enjoy. I needed it so bad. It, it just lifted my spirit so much when at a time when I really needed it, and I will probably reread it again before the end of wow. the year. Well, it's on my list. I know you told me um, about it, and I, I hope I didn't, like, out you by saying it's – maybe you think it's better than no. Harry Potter or uh, on par with. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I think the writing is a little bit better. Ooh, interesting. Like, I wish it was, you know, eight books long. I need more of the world that she create or that he created in this. It's just so beautiful. Well, those sound like some great books. I it makes it didn't make me want to read. Mm-hmm. I need to read that one for sure. Good. You guys have mentioned some more lighthearted reads. Do you feel like during the pandemic? that it was weird reading anything that was heavier. Um, And did you read anything that was maybe dystopian or something maybe for context? I know Hillary and I, we were talking about, you know, during those first couple of months, we were wanting stories about people who had prevailed over bad situations. So even reading about the Dust Bowl or reading about the Great Depression, it somehow brought comfort knowing that people had made it through some bad situations before. So during this time, did you read anything that was maybe for context versus just for happiness? Marley, I will start with you. I reread the Hunger Games trilogy and the new Hunger Games book. Yeah, because I'm mostly a fantasy Mm -hmm. reader. So I did do some dystopian fantasy like that. Um, Did it feel weird reading them? Honestly, it bummed me out even more. So I I went from that straight into like happy. Yeah, and stuff. I think that's what I'm wondering. So Stacy, was it the same for you? I read a lot of fantasy as well, and I read a couple of sci-fi fantasy books this year that I really loved. There were a couple of books that I thought about. I thought about rereading Station Eleven, which is a 
post-apocalyptic novel that deals with a plague. And I just thought, you know, I don't know that I want to do that. Even though it is a beautiful, wonderful book that I truly loved. And I, and I read other people who said they reread it during this time and found it comforting, but I, I didn't, I wasn't feeling that. Interestingly, we started a book club at the, at the library this year built around racial justice because obviously the pandemic isn't the only thing that has made 2020 a difficult year. And so I have ended up reading some pretty heavy stuff this year. And it's been challenging, but I think it's been worth it. Absolutely. So the book club is called Doing the Work. And we started it, um, I read this article that talked about how white people who wish to be allies need to stop asking their friends of color to tell them what to do, that, you know, we should go out and we should do the work, we should do the research, we should do the reading. So we started this book club and we have it set up so that we are reading one nonfiction book one month and then the following month we read a fiction book. And so we've read, we've read some great things. One of the fiction books that, um, was new to me that I thought was just fascinating was The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, which is kind of a hard book to read, but is also just really, really well written. And, and it is a very speculative fiction kind of thing. It has, some the author imagines the time of of the civil war or pre civil war and the underground railroad that's used to escape from slavery he imagines it very differently than it really was so um i thought that was a great book i totally recommend that we've also read um so you want to talk about race and um how to be an anti-racist we read between the world and me which is a great book and I think is a great starting place for anyone who's wanting to do some more reading about racial justice. Uh, those are the, the nonfiction books we've read. So we read Colson Whitehead's The The Underground Railroad. We read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas and not fiction, but a, a memoir. We read Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson, which is one of my favorite books of all time. It's just such a good book. I love that. So I'm much. so glad you brought that up. Like you said, us doing the work and quit asking, you know, what do we need to be doing? Like, well, we can start educating ourselves. And I have how to be an anti-racist sitting on my nightstand right now. It's like next in line. Um, but I think it's it's really important that you guys have taken that initiative and and that you're working on that. Well, thank you. And I, for me, um, having a book club is has been useful because I do think it's true in 2020 that when you start thinking about what am I going to read or, or even what I'm going to watch in some ways, I almost (laughs) feel like 2020 has had more of an impact on my television watching than my, uh, than my reading, because I've thought, I don't want to watch anything too dark. Mm. I I think I'm going to just sit and watch the home and garden channel. Mm -hmm. Um, because it just, it's just so easy to get, to get down. But anyway, if you have a book club, 
then you have a deadline. You, it's like being in school again a little bit. You have to have the book read by a certain day so you can talk about it. And so that's been useful for me to have that book club. Well, I, I agree with the TV watching thing, too, because it was really difficult. Halloween was a weird holiday this year, I feel like. And, you know, I'm typically the first one to be, you know, I'm lining up all the Halloween movies and I didn't even want to watch them this year. It just felt inappropriate. Um, and so I do mm-hmm. think that there are books that are like that, too, where I think if you pick up a certain dystopian book, it just doesn't feel it, it feels too close to home right now. Marley, were you I in a book that- club? I used to be, but we haven't done anything in a while. Okay. I usually do my we I usually do a book party every year, but with COVID, I'm not going to be able to do it this year. A book party. That's so sad. It's yet another thing 2020 took away. Yeah. What, it, what is a book it's, party? It's my tradition every. Uh, it's my annual Christmas book party, and everybody who comes brings their favorite book that they read this year wrapped, and then we do like the the Secret Santa gift exchange where you draw a number and then a number corresponds to a package under the tree and you go grab that book, unwrap it, and then the next person to go can either steal your book or they can open a new package. So everybody leaves with a book and people steal and it's fun. It's it's I really want to be my invited favorite to your thing party about Yeah, me too. <laughs> you can't. You can all come to my party Aww. next year. It's so much fun. Why, why is it every Christmas party like that? I know. I'm tired of white elephant. It's, I don't want yes. useless crap. Books are I, yes. way better. This <laughs> is so much better than white elephant. This is so much more fun. And I always get a book that I can't wait to read. Um and even better, you get a we get a list of books that are everybody's favorite books of the year. So you go home with a list of books that you want to read. Wow. So, I love that. That uh, is such a cool idea. <laughs> Did you come up with that yourself? Yeah. You're the coolest, Marley. Yeah, I've been doing it for six or seven years now, but I'm really sad about it this year. It's probably the thing that I'm saddest about Aww. this Christmas. I would be too. That's cool. <laughs> want to talk about Hillary um in terms of the pandemic yeah pandemic or um you know I feel like I feel like it was weirder in the beginning one of the first things that I tried to read during the pandemic was a self-help book which is crazy um and I was like this is like torturous what am I doing and so I quickly put it down and I was like nope not doing that and so kind of like Marley I've picked up some more lighthearted, just um, the girl that wrote Dumplin' and Puddin'. I actually read both of those, which were super fun. And she has written a new one that is a overweight, you know, plus-sized superhero um, called Faith Taking Flight. It's Julie Murphy. And um, it's super cute. It's not anything like, you know over-the-top gloom and doom. So it's like cute world issues, you know. Um, But even in the beginning, like watching the Food Network was weird because I was like, people are going to be starving in a matter of weeks, you know. And it was just, it's it's amazing how your Mm -hmm. whole mindset just changes in literally a day. Um, And I think that 
everybody going through this all at once, which we've never really had happen before, it just made it so surreal. And I think we all probably felt like one day or another or multiple days in a row, like I feel like I'm in a nightmare and I hope I wake up one of these days and this isn't really happening. So I do think it really played into what we were reading. I I also read the Jenny Han series of the um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. They were so cute. So good. (laughs) Yeah, just just cute um, books. I also read Ghost. Um, I have not read any of the other track series, though, and I cannot wait to read those. I really loved Ghost. And then um, one of my favorite things I read during this was the To Kill a Mockingbird graphic novel. Um, It was it's so beautifully done. And I felt like it was it was appropriate, you know, for what was going on at the Mm -hmm. time. Well, I don't mean to be the Eeyore yeah. of the group, but uh, <laughs> I usually am. Um, yeah, I, I I, think my only addition to all of this would be that I I think I'm different from all of you. I, I, I this sounds horrible. I Let me preface this by saying <laughs> I don't enjoy the pandemic. I don't enjoy that. I do enjoy tragedy. And so, like, I think that reading things that make me feel my feelings all the way deep down to my toes makes me feel somehow comforted or or better. And that's why I think I read, gosh, I think my first read of the pandemic was about food insecurity and also about, like, um, how capitalism and, like, uh, different, you know, 1950s food brands have shaped our country's understanding of their relationship with food. And, um, yeah, so that was my first read. And then I read The Worst Hard Time uh, because... <laughs> I I well it it does make me feel better to know that you know that I this is also horrible to say. Um I make so much fun of my grandmother because I'll go in her room and I'll find like you know little things that she's saved and I'm like, "Uh, oh, yeah, there's a goes of depression baby or whatever like <laughs> I I feel like it it made me understand a little bit more of that mentality of like not knowing what's next and so you need to kind of hoard uh toilet paper and like well yes um <laughs> yeah. it, it made me i feel like yeah. reading that book and, and Hillary, then i think that you're really onto something there and i think that that's something that um that that is is very true that it it reading history for example can help you put things in perspective and reading about people who survive difficult times can help remind us that we're going to survive them. Right. I don't think that makes you an yeah. Eeyore at all. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was I was really surprised. Not surprised. I don't want to say surprised, but I remember that first conversation when you were like, I just made an order for a bunch of books about <laughs> the depression. And about, I was like, wow. <laughs> um, like, I could not read that right then. Um, now, I did go Google some things and, like, look up information. I don't think I could have sat through an entire book, though, um, for that context. But I do think that it was important to know, like, we're we're going to make it out somehow. Like, it might get really brutal at, at, at times, but I think we're going to be fine. Yeah, and I think uh, reading a, a really interesting one that I read was called Dancing in the Dark, and it was about... Um, some of the cultural things like pop culture 
essentially the premise of the book is that uh, living in a a time of scarcity and a time where you don't really know what's going to come next actually inspires some of the greatest artwork and um you know films and books to come out of that and i i you know i don't think i really as much as i i love history and as a film professor i teach that in my class all the time that that your culture inspires you know what kind of art comes out of it i don't think i had thought about um necessarily that it's because what it came out of a lack of something i i thought that it was more of like a a critique on the time and but rather you know instead of it being just a critique it's actually like no these people were going through something and this is what came from that so uh, i highly recommend that book if you're a history buff or somebody who likes a little bit of context about um a time that is very, very similar to what we're going through right now. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. And and Stacy, like you, I also read, um, I've been reading social justice and racial justice uh, books. Uh, an interesting one, I don't know if your group has read, is uh, Incognito. And it's a graphic novel about a, a reporter who passes as white and he reports on lynchings. And um, it, I honestly, it's probably one of the best ones I've read this year. Sadie Newsom, who's been on our podcast before, she she let me borrow her copy. But yeah, I've, I've really tried to stay in history this year, which I guess I do every year. I can't say it's very different. <laughs> mm. But I don't think I, I maybe I'm just not in the mood for being cheered up yeah (laughs) that's why i'm saving your awesome book marley for when that time comes oh i think you need it (laughs) i you know i think everyone needs it i think there can be a little bit of a sense of you know you don't want to make light of of what's happening and everybody has a different response to it everybody has a different way of dealing with what they're going through and so the way i look at it is if it gets you through the pandemic to um, reread anything at all that you've loved, then go for it. If it gets you through the pandemic to read history like it does for you, Hillary, then I think that's the best thing in the world that you could do. Mm-hmm. But the fact yeah. that people found comfort and solace and inspiration in books is the main thing is the most important thing right well it promotes oh absolutely reading and i i think if that's what you're doing i mean i'm sure a lot of people just watched a lot of netflix and i i I, i'm fine with that too because Mm -hmm. we all cope in our own ways but um yeah anything that promotes reading is a good thing you know one of the so i moved into my husband and i bought a new house in january and we moved in and had our housewarming party on March 1st, and then the world stopped two weeks later. And I remember talking to Hillary, and she was like, you have this great bathtub. Why don't you, like, listen to audiobooks and, like, take a bath and, like, relax? Because I think at that point, we were all just kind of mentally, like, it was just a whole lot going on. And so I started listening to the Harry Potter series, um, the audiobooks, which I had never done before. And they are so good. And it was amazing how, you know an hour long bath, like I would come out and feel like a completely new person. And like, I had forgotten about the world for a little bit. 
And I think you're right, Stacey. It's, it was whatever you had to do in those moments to just help you through it. I hope that people are still able to do that right now. You know, our healthcare workers probably don't have the luxury of going home and reading a book. So I really, I feel for all of them right now and like all of the work that they're doing. And I hope that this is over a lot sooner than it is later. I do have one more question. Since Marley listed her top three, what are Stacey's top three that you've read this year? For sure. Okay. So... Yeah, I, I went off in a general discussion and didn't didn't talk about specific ones. One of my favorites from this year is uh, The City We Became by N.K. Jemison, And I had not read mm-hmm. anything by her before. And she'd been kind of on a list of authors that I needed to get around to reading sometime. And it is just a fantastic book. I absolutely think everyone should have it on their to-be-read pile if it's not already there. It's a fascinating premise. The The idea is that the cities of the world, that people can take on the personality of the cities that they live in, and that that a city can have an avatar that represents it and that keeps it healthy. And, and I'm not explaining it very well, because it's just such an original premise. But it's it's set in New York, which, of course, has five boroughs. So there are five people who are themselves the city of New York. And they're trying to save the city and they're trying to save each other. And it's a really fascinating premise. But it's also and it's thought provoking, but it's also funny, which is hard to do. Uh, I'm, I'm just in awe of anyone who can write funny books and So I love that book. I totally recommend that. And tell me again what that was called. It's called The City We Became. Okay. And that's fairly new. If It it came out either this year or um, uh, late last year. It's it's pretty new. I also read um, another uh, fantasy book, but it kind of an odd sort of fantasy book called Magic for Liars. And it was by... Sarah Gailey. And uh, have you read it? Yes, it's so good. I loved that one. I did too. I did too. And yeah, so the premise of it is that um, the the protagonist of the book is aware of magic because she has a magic sister, but she's not magic. And but she's a detective and she's brought in to solve a magical murder. And, you know, it's it's very sort of gritty. Um, fantasy. It's it's almost like magic with hard edges, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I I loved that book. I thought that was I thought that was a fantastic book. If I'm just on the novels, oh, I I read a book that I thought was fascinating. That I had. It's a very old book, and you'll it's you have a little bit of a hard time getting it. I just happened to have a copy in my library that I'd been meaning to get around to reading. It's The Girl in the Swing by Richard Adams. And I had bought the book ages ago at a used bookstore because Richard Adams is the author of Watership Down, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And if you've not read Watership Down, then you should go read Watership Down right away because it's such a good book. The Girl in the Swing is 
completely different type of book in every way. And yet, I really loved it for a lot of the same reasons. I love his sense of language. I love the way that the story builds kind of slowly and the way that the the suspense, the idea of what's going to happen next is is subtle. You you have this sense that you're about to find out something really important eventually. Um I know some people would think that it was slow moving, but but I liked it. Um Again, it's totally different than Watership Down, but another great, great book that I would totally recommend. Marley, Stacy, thank y'all so much for being on, and um, I look forward to seeing y'all both in person very soon. Me too. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. It's always good to talk about books. Check Me Out is recorded in the FM90 and Panhandle PBS studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. The show is produced by Hillary Halsey and me, Amy Hart. Big thank yous to Colin Lutz, Jake Day for being our editor, Stevie Brashears for designing our logo, and the Mag7 for providing music. Check us out on Facebook. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.